You are listening to the Glass Cannon Network, the premier source for role-playing game entertainment. Welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Network. Happy New Year, Nash! Welcome back to the FOD. It is a whole new year. It is Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024, and I'm your old pal, Joe O'Brien. And I'm Troy 2024 LaValley. The new edition, Troy Part 2. Troy 2.024. Yeah, you've gone through several versions. Uh, as has fodder, Troy, I'd like to welcome you to the one year anniversary of the new, newest, new FOD. Uh, the, right, when the we original. rebooted it last year, we've done a year. This is now a year. We started our first uh, of the new FODs with you and me back at it one year ago, first week of January. I'm too busy uh, updating my headline because it still says Morning Nog from the last time we <laughs> used StreamYard. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. But are yeah, you still doing Morning Nog? Or no, you- no. I've, got, I've, I've, I've dragged more Nog than any human being <laughs> in, uh, in the, on the globe uh, this past year. Uh, I was putting Nog in my coffee towards the end of uh, December. Like, Oh, boy. Just, just got to finish this last gallon off. Uh, but yeah, I just changed that. What'd you say? Yeah, one year. I forgot. We started this a year ago the sort of return of the original fod uh, right. but it wasn't video yet it was just audio which i realized yesterday when i was updating some youtube playlists and uh we were talking about strange aeons which used to be weekly dude a year ago we were doing strange aeons weekly it is crazy how how far we've come in a year and this was audio only at that time that the, those fods uh we didn't start the video until gatewalkers released and so uh we've been getting into that into that video groove but yeah you and me back with the the new old new fod uh, it's been a year, so a happy anniversary. Hey, happy anniversary uh, to you. Dude, we have not talked for one minute, really. No. Uh, we, we've exchanged some emails, but I haven't even talked to you since uh, we got a, a out on a break. So how was your how was your holiday? How did it all go down? When's the last time I saw you? Was it my Christmas party? Yeah. Wow. Well, was your Christmas party after, like, the last time we were in the office? I guess yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> yes, that was, felt like party the old was a days. lot of fun. It, it a lot did. more kids, but, uh, felt like the old days. I and a lot my... more Kate and Sydney than the oh, old days. Yeah, but, a lot more uh... Kate and Sydney. They were not there back in the day. They weren't old enough to drink. Um, but, uh, it was nice seeing them. It was a really good time. Dude, my holidays were fantastic. It's the best thing ever. And followed by this, like, I'm okay. Everything's okay. I just miss it so much. You know, I've gotten to the point now where like, uh, I'll have like one or two days where my wife just knows like, Ooh, he's really, he's really feeling that post Christmas slump. Uh, usually it's, it's New Year's Day. I'm like, what a fucking useless day. The, like the week between Christmas and New Year's is that nothing week. To yeah. me, January 1st is the nothing day. Cause yeah. we don't start our like, you know, our reset until the second, uh, which is the time we're recording this, you know, so January 1st is like, all right, gonna drink all the rest of the vodka, eat all the rest leftover Chinese food. Like, we're like, get all of our system. We start tomorrow and I'm just sitting there in a haze. I'll walk outside and just stare at my Christmas lights like, I want to go back. Uh, <laughs> but the holidays were great, man. I, I, the thing is, I love Christmas. I'm sad when it's over, but I love a new year. I love a new year. Yeah. Sign me up. Me too, man. I love New Year's. New Year's Eve is fun, but it's mm-hmm. also like, I just love a new year. I love oh. waking up. Uh, getting to work again. I really do because like a break is nice. We are lucky enough to be in a business where we can get a good break, right? Good like week, week and a half off. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it really is a good recharge. And it's just like, all right, I'm ready to get back into the groove. I said to my kids this morning, I'm like, are you ready to get back into the groove? See your friends at school, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And they were both like, no. <laughs> And I was like, that's fair. That is fair. Uh, a lot of people don't like getting back in a groove. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm a creature of habit. I like my routines and this is, it's nice to get back, uh, back to the FOD, back to business. Uh, you know what? I can tell that the first is kind of a nothing day for you because out of nowhere, I got like two or three work emails from you that were like legit, also kind of mundane work emails. (laughs) 
yesterday. And I was just like, would you just enjoy the last day? Can we, can we do this tomorrow? Does it have to be today? I sent out a few work emails yesterday and some of them I preface being like, just ignore this, but it's in my brain. Ignore this till tomorrow. I don't like to schedule an email to show up at like 9 a.m. I think that's much worse than starting an email being like, we just ignore this until tomorrow or later this week. Uh, but yeah, I was just kind of sitting around. I, but it was great. I didn't open up Asana for like a week. I didn't yeah. even think about, I shouldn't say I didn't think about it. I'm constantly thinking about like, what are we going to do in 2024? How are we going to do things different? How are we going to innovate? How are we going to be exciting? How are we going to kind of reset? And so I was thinking about those things, but now it's time to like dive back in. I was so in it uh, that you emailed me the fodder link this morning. And I was like, what? Fodder? I, I totally forgot about fodder. I'm, I'm doing something else. Give me You're 25 like, That's minutes. on Tuesday. Right. Like, it is Tuesday. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, so we, we are, we're recording fodder here on the second, just getting back to the office, getting any, everything in the groove. We've got a lot to talk about from a company standpoint, but you told me right before we went live, throw that script out the window. <laughs> we're not talking about any of this until the state of the nation. What? There's a state of the nation coming? Dude, I've been teasing the state of the nation since August. Yeah, that's uh, why I thought it really officially was not coming. Yeah, Would well, you just let it go? Sorry, if you love something, <laughs> let it go. Set it free. If it comes back, it'll be forever. If not, <laughs> it was never meant to be. I uh, I've been teasing this since August because back in the day, we would do it in the fall. And I did the state of the pod right around the time before Gatewalkers launched, before Campaign 2 of the GCP launched. And I, that kind of – there was all Gatewalkers focused, all Campaign 2 focused, and – all of the stuff that we're kind of working on, it just, it, it, it's more of a, a now time to talk about than last time. And I'd love to just go into it on the FOD, but I think a proper state of the nation, like our country does it in January. <laughs> Let's start a new year together and talk about all the exciting things that we've got going on. Uh, so that's going to happen. I'm going to say in the next two weeks, I would love for the state of the nation to happen next week, but I need to get a handle on about a million things before I lock it in. Uh, if it can't happen next week, it will happen the week after. I'm going to build that bridge uh, and uh, I'm going to burn that bridge rather and just lock myself into it because I want people to know what we have going on. We've got tour dates. We've got some updates to our subscription service. We've got show. I mean, so many exciting things. I want to, I want to get it all in one place and, and state of the nation up. It's a great time to bring the nation together because we always get a good crowd uh, yeah. for the state of the nation. Yeah. And then I think, you know, everybody should use, utilize, the FOD uh, for talk back in discussion after the state of the nation, right? So if you uh, hear it or you listen to it after the fact, or uh, I don't even, is it available to listen to? Is it going to drop anywhere audio wise? Right now, my plan is to go live on YouTube with it mm -hmm. and then have a uh, post, uh, post state of the nation. Uh, town hall uh, exclusively on Discord. Um, and then the week after, you and I will kind of talk about it on, okay. on the FOD. Yeah. So we'll, Break, do a little, we'll do a little recap and breakdown on FOD. And if you want to get in listener mail questions before that FOD, you know, always remember uh, to write us at contact at com or go to the website uh, and go to the listener mail link and you can uh, submit your listener mail. That will, we'll have a, we'll have a question in today from the nation. Um, so I guess the only thing then that is really, well, let me tell you about my Christmas, because it was a little bit crazy. I was out in Oklahoma with the family on mm -hmm. Christmas Day. My wife fell down the stairs. And sure broke. she did. She, all right. <laughs> uh, how can, can a man no longer say a person <laughs> fell down the stairs anymore? <laughs> we lost the ability to, to trust On and believe Christmas each other. Day, she <laughs> fell down the stairs and fell onto a belt that whipped her back six times. It was so weird on Christmas uh, Day. No, but she did. She did like two steps. That's all it took. About two steps. Oh man! She came down on her wrist, broke her arm at right at her wrist, uh, and it was and it's pretty bad. So, oh dude, really sucks. She's going to be incapacitated for months. Months. months? Well, you know, I mean, armless basically for a couple months, uh, Holy and that shit. is really brutal. So we're waiting to. We're, we're, she's casted now. We're going to go back in for another evaluation in like eight days or so to see if the surgery is necessary or if we can get out without oh, surgery. Come on, and yeah, and then like, uh, uh, yeah. So it's just it was a crazy, <laughs> crazy holiday, but it was just it was wild. On Christmas Day, we had like thirty, forty family members over, big, big party. And all of a sudden, and she just fell, and everybody heard her fall. Like, are you all right? And she was just like, nope. 
and in very short amount of time, uh, my mother-in-law was whisking her off to the emergency room. So that sucked. But we found out uh, after the fact that it was good we were in uh, Oklahoma because it turns out there were like hundreds of people in the ER in our Jersey local hospital. And like, we know somebody that was there like nine hours waiting to get seen on Christmas. So uh, it's like, oh, well, thank God we were there. It only took her like a couple hours to get in and get out. But brutal. Yeah, pretty, pretty brutes magoots. But otherwise, we had a great holiday. Kids had a great holiday. And uh, yeah, I like I like putting it behind me because at the end, it really is exhausting and you feel fat and slow Ugh. and sweaty and too cheesed up. Uh, we were on the so Blood cheese. of the Wild holiday party on Friday and uh, last Friday and Mary yeah. Luke was like, I call it cheese week, the week between <laughs> Christmas and New Year's. She's like, there's no other real name for it. So I just call it cheese week. Uh, she's like, it's where I eat more cheese than I eat the entire <laughs> rest of the year combined. Um, and that's definitely how I felt. So uh, it's time to turn it around. A little clean living. Get to the state of the nation. Get back to work here. Get back to recording. I haven't played an RPG in two and a half weeks. This is ridiculous. Dude, crazy. You know what I just realized is uh, we have tickets going on sale next week for the first tour stop of the year. It, it starts next week. I'm looking at the calendar. Like uh, I was like, wait a minute. Let me just make sure. Yeah. In like five days? So then you can't announce the biggest announcement of the tour like – on the state of the nation because it I, will have already gone on sale. It'll, it'll have already gone on. I feel like I should talk about it now. I think you should say it right now, dude. Should I say that the first stop of the year is Toronto, Canada? We're Canada, coming to Toronto! Toronto! International edition. International. We tried going into last year uh, to make uh, Canada dates happen and we just couldn't make it happen. So I was on our agent from the middle of the year last year. I'm like, please, if there's any way we can at least try. If we try a little harder and it doesn't happen, at least we tried. And uh, I mean, he brought the full force of his agency behind it and we are starting the year in Toronto uh, and tickets are going to go on sale uh, next week. So stay tuned to uh, social media to find out exactly when. I believe uh, it'll be out before next fall. I think I want to say it's the 8th. I'm wow. still locking this in because I, I haven't even sent them the ad materials. This this deal was like being closed right before Christmas. And they were like, hey, you want tickets to go on sale next week? I'm like, I got to get new tour artwork. So I, I emailed Angeline and they started working on, uh, you haven't even seen the new tour art for next year. It's phenomenal. <laughs> no. I'm like, I need an idea. I just sent them an idea. Boom. Uh, immediately started getting sketches later that night over Christmas. We're going back and forth. And so, uh, yeah, we are starting the year in Toronto at uh, the Great Hall. I believe it's called, and uh, that is going that to be- That seems appropriate for a, uh, a fantasy role-playing show. The, the Great, great Hall. Hall. We yes. shall meet in the Great Hall. Meet in the Great Hall, Saturday, March 16th, uh, 8 p.m. Toronto time. Uh, we are coming out there. And then celebrate. My, it'll be my first St. Paddy's in Canada. Wait, is that St. Paddy's week? Dude, that's St. Paddy's weekend, oh, bro. We have to fly out on Thursday. I mean, dude, we only have, it's only going to be one show that week. We're just doing Toronto. So maybe we do like a little fan meetup on Friday. So we have to fly out on Thursday and have a couple <laughs> Toronto Guinnesses. Uh, and then uh, Toronto famous for its skin eye oh my god that's gonna be so much fun I've never been to Toronto I gotta check my I've passport. never been to Toronto do you have a valid passport I do I just got it at the end of last year uh, because I had hopes of traveling internationally uh, I've been meaning to do this I'm gonna happened. do this now on the thought I've been meaning to see if my passport's uh, updated let me just uh, you can do that live and I'll tell you what if it's not or if it's getting close you're in real trouble look at this handsome devil if you don't get this done right now you are going to miss March 16th it takes forever it expires October 15th 2025 baby oh yeah dude yeah right. passports for everybody show oh, you want a passport on. you get a passport it's my son's passport has a checkbook <laughs> <laughs> yeah Oh, amazing. I am so excited about this. We wanted it so bad last year. I feel like, look, I don't want to put, um, I like to just say what other people think in their minds. Matthew loves when I do that. And I think that there must have been people that felt like we didn't really want to go to Canada. But we did. We did. We really wanted to go, uh, not only to like do a live show for those fans who, by the way, have been amazing to tra have traveled to the U.S. over and over and over, over again. And over, yeah. They were in Philly. There were Canada folks in Philly that made the trip down for that show at the end of the last year. So uh, I, we love you guys. We definitely wanted to get there, and I'm so glad it's happening. I'm pumped. Yeah, pumped. and stay tuned because we're working on at least one other uh, Canadian stop. I mean, right now, we are 
we are pretty close to having the entire year booked, which we never do. It's always, we're always working hand to mouth because our agent was kind of moonlighting with us. He's a buddy of ours, but now we're working with his agency directly. Uh, and it's, it's just so much more clean and efficient. I mean, we're booked straight through to September. We're just working out a couple final things because some cities we have to fly in between. So trying to find the good pair on the good weekend and whatnot. It's a lot of things, but we're pretty close. And I would love to do that because then we can have the tour shirt available in fucking March. I believe they call that routing in the business oh routing so it, it is it's a complicated thing especially if you're like a real band and you tour for three straight months and you're touring you know like you're completely on the road how do you attach certain cities at certain times and the right logistics to make sure that you're selling the right amount of tickets but also that you're you know when you need to fly when you need to drive when you do whatever like it's a whole business uh that these agents or these agencies have to deal with and so yeah we're, we're easier than that obviously because we just do like once a month but we do like to connect cities when we travel so yeah that's routing so you got to you know make sure you're when you're doing the two cities you're you're doing it right and getting them both of those venues have to be available at the right time they have to you know what i mean so there's a lot of stars have to align but yeah i'm psyched i'm pumped so Um, excited what else streaming this week there's live streams this week uh that are a little uh a little out of the out of the ordinary um you had done a couple labs as uh just playing Baldur's gate three yeah, uh, you're going to stream some Baldur's Gate three uh, or you already did yesterday. By the time That's people right. are listening to this, I'll have yeah. already streamed it. He would have already streamed it. So go back and check it out on the VOD. But I'm going to stream tonight, Wednesday night, the mm-hmm. third. Uh, I'm going to stream eight o'clock Eastern. Just going to play a video game. And then uh, we're playing a new labs. There's going to be a new labs this week on yeah. Friday. That's not a new day for labs. That was just because of scheduling. We had to bump to a Friday. Uh, so we're going to be doing, but it, it will be at 2 PM Eastern, 11 AM Pacific live, live, uh, Jared, myself, Matthew Cabot, and Mary Lou oh. are playing Deadlands, And I'm so pumped. Yeah. I've been, um, I'll talk about this uh, on labs, but I've been like consuming Western content, which like I've just kind of eschewed for many years and getting back into it and watching old stuff. It, it, it's been great. It's been a, it's been a real fun thing to do over the holidays. Yeah. And people have been, uh, you know, asking us to play Savage Worlds games for a while. So this will be a fun, uh, fun one to jump into. I think for a lot of people, they, they, this Deadlands might have been one of the first one or two games they played. So uh, it yeah. should be pretty exciting. I'm, I'm excited to watch. Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to hop in there. Uh, all right. I think that that is enough in terms of news and updates. Why don't we get back into the GCP? Because, I mean, for cheese sake. Of for cheese all, sake. For cheese sake. Of all the apps to leave town and have a holiday during on the FOD, get fuck out of here. Back to backers, yeah. Back to backers that we didn't really cover. And unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to cover blow by blow every episode. But what I will say in general, let, let's let's try to do things somewhat in chronological order because okay. there is a huge drop in episode 15. And if you're not caught up, I do not want to spoil that for you. So we will start, you know, rolling through episode 14 before we get to 15. Um, episode 14, wow, what a what an encounter. What a combat. What a cool, I don't know if amalgamation is the right word that I'm looking for, but what a cool confluence of events that took place where you have uh, this enemy we've been searching for for a long time. You have the uh, areas of the map that we had already seen, including already seeing the zip line, including already seeing the bridges out to the middle and having already shot that uh, – um, that uh, not just Druid. Oak but Steward. Oak yeah. Steward. That Oak Steward from really far away. Uh, uh, the hand crossbow Talitha. assassination. <laughs> yeah, the, Talitha, the one-shot hand crossbow assassination, sniped uh, from across the other buildings. It all comes together in this crazy encounter where Lucky, being bold as, as always, follows Bolon down a zip line into another building, separating from the party. Um, and then... Uh, Kate in attempting to follow Zephyr in an attempt to follow the zip line gets cut by the boss. She falls. And I mean, it's hurt so bad. What an amazing, yeah. amazing encounter. Anyway, I'm just, I'm going blow by blow through like what happened. You tell me what your kind of takeaways were from that whole, uh, that whole episode. You know, and th- this happens all the time, uh, as a GM, when you're reading these pre written adventures, you read this and you're like, wow, if, if what we do, is anything as cool as what they've set up here? 
that would be amazing. But yeah. what often happens is everyone gets pushed into a corner and you just kind of stab at each other and <laughs> full die. attack action, full you attack know? action, full attack action. <laughs> and I, you know, I think it's a testament to two E. The, the three action economy really opens things up, less attacks of opportunity, more chances to double move without spending your whole turn to still get an attack off. That action economy allows you to really explore the space. And we were feeling this like, Back in the play test, we're like, wow, you get so much more room for tactical combat. Um, and also sometimes in, and this happened a lot in 1E, once it's five uh, PCs, four PCs against one enemy, usually it's like, well, all right, set your watch, set your stopwatch. This is about to be over. Not so with 2E. That jump between a, a second level character f- fighting a bunch of uh, first level that guy can hang. He's got some stuff he can do, and he really showed it. Obviously, the environment helped out a lot, uh, having the the trap go off for Talitha, having the uh, the rope get cut and Zephyr to fall. Um, I mean, there's so many different ways you guys could have attacked this combat. There's a world where you don't go to that water tower room first, right? Bolon slides down there, and he knows what not to step on. On the pipes. Yeah. yeah. So then Lucky goes down there, and then Lucky could get lit up by that trap which her and Zephyr got uh, lit up by uh, earlier. But now Zephyr is like, excuse me, Lucky would be unconscious in that room from all the damage or whatnot. And maybe then uh, Bolon has a hostage uh, situation. I mean, there's so many different ways that could work. And then obviously you guys left, uh, left the Fox out there and we saw what happened with that. I mean, just, just wild. I'm so glad the way it worked out and I'm glad we didn't get hung up too much on the little things like uh, Buggles and Brother Ramius's climb checks. Like the, the momentum of the moment, everything just felt right. Um, you know, we may have not pitched a perfect game, uh, but it felt right for our group. And, and it was kind of thing where like everyone was just on board with everything that was happening, which was, it was really cool. It was a real, uh, game changer. It's kind of a turning point moment for the series too, because I think there's a, there's a sentiment amongst a lot of people that thinks that maybe this is starting a little slower. Um, go back and listen to Giant Slayer. That one started slow too. The difference is like you, maybe you're expecting, uh, out of the gate something big. Well, it's kind of all big. Building to this, and then we have a turning point that happens in episode 15 that just kind of is going to set off for the rest of the series. And we've already recorded 16, 17, 18, 19. You know what's coming up. You know how vastly different this is and how things have now changed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, Jeez, I don't know what to go into next, but uh, I'm just going to say we, we will talk about, uh, you know, we did not pitch a perfect game. We do have notes from Professor Eric, but it's nothing too crazy. Like, it's nothing that made me go, oh, God, this really um, this really took away the legitimacy of the encounter, the way it was played, the way Lucky was handled. Nothing like that. It's all things that did not really have that much of an impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will go through a few of those in, in our We Are Stupid segment. But let's get to the start of episode 15, where the shit really goes down. So spoiler warning here. We, at the start of the app, know that uh, Lucky has to make a rather routine recovery check in order to stay alive. But we also know that the way that the battlefield ended up shaking out, the zip line being cut, Talitha breaking the bridge accidentally between the other two buildings. Your primary healers are Brother Ramius and Buggles. Buggles is at the bottom of a rope, uh, you know, hanging over the ground really far away. And uh, Brother Ramius is in a building that is completely disattached from the buildings and areas where Lucky uh, is. So it looks like healing is going to be really difficult. Maybe can't get there in a full round. Well, let's see what happens. First, she has to pass that first recovery check anyway. Boom. Natural one. I'm going to quote Mr. Destacado, Mr. Destacado from YouTube, who wrote in the comments during 25 plus years of gaming. Dude, I was thinking the same quote. I didn't know who wrote it, but that's what I thought of. During 25 plus years of gaming, it's become evident to me that sometimes it's just fated for some characters to die. You can feel it coming as a player when all the roles just turn ice cold and nothing works. Looking forward to see what Sid comes up with next. But yeah, that summed up for me what is a series of unfortunate events that lead to this death. Now, like you just said, the way this encounter is set up, the way that the area is set up, there could be a million different ways any one of us could die. Zephyr could have easily died uh, on that fall. And um, so it wasn't necessarily that it was only lucky, but there are these there are these events that add up. But the first thing that I want to uh, point out is the real 
culprit here, right? There's you could be a lot of you could put a lot of different culprits out there, but who scored the winning goal? That would be that <laughs> bullshit fox. <laughs> the GWG. Talk to me about this fox. When this fox first comes up, I'm seriously at the table, like, oh, like I kind of feel bad because it comes up and it sniffs. It's mm-hmm. who, well, I considered it to be an animal companion to this other druid. We also suspected it may be a druid that's wild shaped. We don't mm-hmm. really know. Well, it comes out and kills Lucky essentially. Yeah. What's the story with this fucking well, fox? Well, dude, when you one shot the oak steward and I had that role playing moment with the fox coming out, my goal in that moment was to make you go aw. Little did I know that it would land the killing blow, but like I knew that its story was not finished. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, maybe there's a world where you defeat Bolon and you never come over there. And then I just don't worry about the fox. But the way it's set up the whole time, I'm thinking like that fox knows that its master's killer, it's a companion's killer is out there and then sees it all go down i mean it's just the story it's it, it's so beautiful in how uh random and tragic it is you have this whole yeah. crazy battle you finally defeat the boss he gives up surrenders and then you die like that it's it's really really cool and it's a tough tough creature it is a level two creature just as strong as bolon in many ways um yeah brutal just a brutal way to go at wopa on youtube says why is everyone complaining about the fox attack? It was clearly fair and balanced. <laughs> That's fun. We're having a good time. Yeah, we're having a good time. <laughs> it was it was heartbreaking. It, it's so weird and strange that it comes down to an animal companion. But when you think about, there's a couple things you have to think about here. One, we killed its master, right? So mm-hmm. I mean, in in one, and there's a world in which you're like, you had it coming. Also, when we look back, I I'm going through these episodes to to run rundowns for fodder Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to get, you know, all these details. And by the time I'm re listening to episode nine of campaign two, I'm already past recording episode 15. I know what happens to lucky Mm -hmm. and to go to episode nine, not be able to talk about it on the FOD, but be able to talk about it here. I actually put this in my notes for this episode two months ago when we were uh, recording the FOD Mm -hmm. and it, it's basically in episode nine, you talked about death coming for us. We all kind of did that. We could feel how dangerous this place was. And you specifically highlight lucky because of some of her bad roles and say, quote, maybe you were meant to die. Maybe you are meant to die. And he just like, it sticks out at you when you, and when you have that hindsight. And then in the very next episode, so you said, what if they didn't send off those traps? Well, here's what happened. They set off those traps, and then I, as Brother Ramius, wanted to go back up because I felt like they weren't going to rearm. I felt like now we could explore up there. So Lucky and Brother Ramius, she's like, I got to protect you because you're a weakling. We go up (laughs) together, and the two of us find the zip line. It might have been Zephyr found the zip line, but I don't think so. The two of us find the zip line, and she starts talking about climbing up there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I mean, I that seems crazy to me. Like, it's an inclined rope going into a building nobody knows about with no none of your party. So we beg off of that. We walk around the other side, and there is the doorway. The doorway where she fought Bolon, where he cast that spell, like, all around the door. Yeah. All the plants and thorns and stuff like that. She opens up that door. Or uh, Brother Amos actually finds the door. We open up that door, and she looks across at the path out into the open plaza. And it is Sydney, because I'm like, we should go out there. And then we can circle back and meet up with them that way. And she says, no, we should not go out there. Let's turn back and closes the door. If Sydney at that point said you should go out there, we would have been in an encounter with the Oak Steward and the Fox. And yeah. most likely, we would have survived that encounter. And the fox would not be there when we go around to fight Bolon. You know, so all these little decisions. So I think back to that decision she made. I'm like, it's all this, you know, these series of events, the the butterfly flaps its wings in Tokyo, right? Like all these little things that come together to make what happened happen. All those misses. I mean, she was standing toe to toe with Bolon and just could not 
hit him. And, you know, it's, it's written for him to uh, surrender at a certain point. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay true to that because there's, there's certain information uh, I want him to give. Obviously, Talitha took uh, matters into her own hands, which made that difficult. A topic uh, for another day. A topic for another day. But, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay close to that and I'm looking. I'm like, she's just got to land one hit, I think. One good lucky hit and he puts his hands up. But it just didn't work out and it forced her to kind of fall back. He puts the, he starts to catch Shillelagh. And now you, you think back like the first Shillelagh, how brutal that was. And you see Shillelagh come out again. You're like, no, we've had so many different Shillelaghs. You think it's going to happen. And then Zephyr, pow, pow. After you think Zephyr's like out of the combat. And then this fading fox It's a fading cro- fox, uh, by the way. It's a creature two, which is, whereas the basic oak stewards were creature zeros. This is a, a, a creature two. Oh, so this fox is particularly tough. Yeah. And its whole thing is that it sneaks up on you and does sneak attack damage. Um, and that was the, the sneak attack damage is what took her down. And because she was wounded, one went straight to dying two. a one or a two kills her. She rolls the one. You can't, you can't write that. You can't, you can't. Well, let me ask you in that moment, it's whatever it is, it's 27, 28 minutes into the episode when we finally get to that roll. Cause we've been, we're building it up. We're banting, whatever. Yeah. What, what are you rooting for in that moment? Uh, as <sighs> Troy just sitting there, do you, were you like, oh, this would be a great time to set the campaign on a, a set a tone for this campaign with a character death? Or were you like, Lucky's a great character. I want to keep her around. I don't want her to die on here. Did you think either of those directions? I said on the episode, like I was driving in and I, I hadn't thought about it because we recorded uh, 14 and then we were driving. And we seem dri- like we were out of it. You see what the right. encounter's over. And I just like hadn't thought about it. And I was just going over stuff in my head. And I was like, well, she's got to roll that recovery. She'll be fine. They're always fine. We've rolled that check a million times. You're always fine. I'm going to roll a natural one. Uh, And then as we got closer to that moment and we built it up so much with with the band and everything, I was like, I feel like we're just pushing fate in one direction. But I was very, very torn because I, you know, it's very early in the campaign. Lucky story kind of hasn't been fully fleshed out yet. And so I'm part of me is thinking like, oh, man. I don't want to do that. I think there might be other shows that'd be like, ah, just let her live. But no, I just was like, let the dice tell the story. And if she dies, how cool is this going to be? And not to, uh, kind of pile on Sydney, but the emotion she showed at the table. If you're not a, a video watcher, uh, if you just listen to the podcast, that's fine, but you should just try to tune in for that. We, we had a social media clip. If it hasn't come out yet, that shows that moment. It's so raw. It's so emotional. And uh, the sort of like producer director in me is like watching a reality show. You're just like, yes, like watching The Bachelor, like, oh, she's sobbing. I love it. Uh, but I mean, I'm not I don't want her to feel pain. But I just thought, like, how cool to be able to capture that moment and everything after composing herself and dealing with. I mean, it was just it's a really, really cool moment to be able to see live happen at a table, you know, even though it's pre-recorded, like we got it all from multiple angles, that moment of the die doing it. When, when Francis made the edit, the first cut of the video edit, I watched it and the camera stayed on Sydney and then cut to another Sydney shot. But I went in and tweaked it because I remember specifically sitting at the table and watching Skid's reaction because Skid's sitting right next to her, uh, die box. So I tweaked it ever so slightly so that you see like, her roll at her, and then I maybe it's like before she reacts, we see Skid just like, she, well, she goes, huh, and she just kind of moves her mic out of the way, and then she bends over, like over the edge of the table, and you see Skid look, and then from his reaction, you really know what happened immediately. It's yeah, and Skid's I reaction that. that really gives it away. It wasn't there, it wasn't there, and it, it, I was just like, I, I remember it happening, so I just like I moved the video ever so slightly, was just kind of pulling when you see Skid, and then it goes into Sydney. So one, I mean, it was just, you'd love that. The fact that this is all like live and improvised, it's so fucking cool because this is the kind of stuff you see on scripted television. It was just a really, really, really cool moment. I hate to like toot our own horn so too much, but it's just a, it's beautiful when things like that can happen. Obviously tragic, but it shows you what emotions you can evoke with a, with a role playing game, with a game. Sure, sure. And I don't think it's tooting our own horns at all. I think what we're talking about here is, this goes to everybody. I mean, this goes to Paizo. This goes to the development of the rules. This goes to the crafting of the AP. You know what I mean? The crafting of this encounter. It all played out in such a way that it's so dramatic at the moment that that die has to be rolled and for it to go that way. I mean, we talked about last Friday on the uh, on the Blood of the Wild stream that we did Friday night. If you haven't checked that out, check it out on uh, Twitch VOD. 
we're like, ultimately, when we look back at the entire year of Blood of the Wild, the most memorable moments and the things that have us like just looking back and saying how awesome the game is are the failures. It is yeah. always the failures that you end up talking about. So, you know, just just think about that when you when you get frustrated with your own game. Like think every once in a while it's like the epic fails are the things you remember the most and and, and you'll look back on fondly, you know, uh one day. <laughs> uh but that one is yeah, particularly beautiful to be able to have captured on video. And and what a great thing. I mean, obviously it sucks for Sydney. It sucks for for Lucky, that character. Um but like I think the group needed that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's going to really bring this group together because, yes, they've known each other now for a couple months, two, three months. They've been working together. They share this common thing where they walked through gates, have lost time, have no memory of this, have brands on their body and all these powers. But having uh, one of their own perish, I think, is going to really change uh, the trajectory of this group. If you were right, if you were scripting this, this is what you'd do. You know what I mean? You, you, the, the group really, I think, needed this uh, to kind of tie them together in a new way. And I mean, there's nothing better than bringing in a new character. Yeah, it's so exciting. So we will we'll see what happens. Let's move on to We Are Stupid. And just go through a few uh things here. Thank you so much to Professor Eric for his uh for reviewing over the holidays yes, and, and writing you. this all out. We really appreciate it. Um let's uh, let's lighten the mood a little bit and go back to Skid's complaints about the psychic. You probably don't yes. remember the details of these, but we can sum it up very simply. Skid was talking about his oscillating wave psychic uh, ability and that when he amps his cantrips, they are statistically worse than when he doesn't amp them. He's like, something must be wrong here. One of them, right? Like the frost one was okay, but the fire one wasn't or vice versa. I think that they were both not great, but whatever. In either case, um, he... Professor Eric agrees and lays out exactly what happened here that it's kind it's not that it's an error it's just that the the lowest level at first level the average of the unamped version is better than the average of the amped version the amped version has more ability to get higher but the average still is in the favor of the uh lower level version or the um amped version you have to get to level 3 and you get it heightened before the amped starts to outpace the regular. And so that just doesn't make any sense. Well, that's all pre-remaster. In the remaster, it is all shifted and been changed. And there is even errata for the Dark Archive specifically about this ability that Skid pointed out that has uh, rebalanced it so that the amped version is definitively better than the regular. They have removed the uh, ability bonus to damage from all cantrips across all casting classes. Now it's just sort of 2D for all this stuff. It's 2D4 instead of 1D4 plus your casting ability. So instead of 1D4 plus 4, it's 2D4. That isn't as good, but you're talking about cantrips here. These are things you're supposed to be able to spam. What the amped does is gives you another die and it increases its range. Like, uh, I think it doubles the range of the spell. So that's pretty cool. So you could utilize uh, your, it's now called ignition instead of produce flame and frostbite instead of ray of frost. And you will get 120 feet range on that. You'll bump up the die a great deal. And so, yeah, there's a, he, he sent a link along too, and I sent that all to Skid. So hopefully that, uh, that pans out, which would be nice uh, to, to see that upgrade. Yeah. yeah that's um, interesting. Yeah. I, Cause I know he was feeling that for a while and he talked about it and we waited so long to bring it back up, but uh, you know, hopefully that gives him some clarity. Yeah. Um. Do you – let's see. Oh, so, so this one's interesting. Casting while climbing. This is a, a corner case, he says, that every table will have their own ruling most likely. But climb, by the book, requires both hands to be free unless you have combat climber or some ancestry feat. Somatic requires both hands to, to be, be free. free. Okay. Somatic like requires the ability to gesture freely but does not require a free hand. Personally, he's saying his ruling would say you can't gesture freely while climbing. You ruled the other way, but he could see it going both ways. But just uh, one thing he wanted to point out is like climbing does by the book require two hands. Uh, And so 
I don't know if you can cast Wakami, but I thought it made for a great moment. Reaching down, Brother Ramius casting heal on Zephyr. That was big for my own personal reasons that I unfortunately haven't come out yet because I haven't written my backstory stuff. But it was that was in a moment that he felt like he had to climb down that rope and had to heal an injured ally, even if it was really risky and stupid and dangerous. He had to. Um, and I'm glad that you let it happen. And I'm totally happy with the way it all played out. So as written... Uh, you could interpret that as also like you can't climb with a weapon in your hand. Correct. You'd have yeah, to like you put it in your teeth. Either way, you're going to stow it. Either way, you got to sheath, quote unquote, and then another <clears throat> yeah, action to read, to draw the weapon after. That's why there's a feat called combat climber. It means you only need one hand to climb and you can hold a weapon in your other hand. Is there something like that for casting? Uh, not that I've seen. Yeah, I'm always, I'm in the camp usually like if there's a feat that you can take that is supposed to do what we're just giving you to giving giving for free. Yeah. Then I don't like doing it. But it's interesting that there's one for fighters and maybe not one for casters. It'd be something to look into. If there was one for casting that's like climbing caster, then I'd be more apt to to not do that anymore. Um, make you take that feat. Um, but uh, you know, it certainly wasn't game breaking. And I I love that you're holding on. You could also like up the DC if for if I want to hold I want to climb with my sword in my hand. Okay. Well, now I'm going to make a roll climb check, and the DC is going to be five higher. Yep. There's um, a lot of different ways you can, different ways you yeah. can play around with it. You, or you could leave the DC the same and be like, if you fail, you fall, right. as opposed to critically fail. You know, and if you succeed, you can you can do it. Like, the, you know, you could uh, pitch yeah, it that way, too. Drop the weapon mid-climb or casting right. 20% of uh, spell failure or something because you oh, don't that, have. That's like back to 1E. You don't even have percentage dice in 2E, which is no. wild. But we everybody's have, got 2D10s. We have them in our box, right? <laughs> we got them in the box. They're a little dusty at the table. but I uh, think yeah. what you would be looking for then is a DC5 flat check, right? Yeah, by the, that's, by that's 2E parlance. You'd be like, it's a DC5 flat check for you to not drop the, or to uh, have a, lose the, the spell, spell fail. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like being, um, what is it called? Uh, not clumsy. The uh, uh when you're uh, stupefied, 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 yeah, yeah, like a little bit like stupefied rules. You got to pass a flat check or you lose the spell. That's Stupid fun. climber, you dumbass climber. <laughs> uh, that would be a funny uh, feat. Genius climber, right? <laughs> it's what like is this? Wait, what? Um, all right, let's a uh, couple more little ones here. Uh, yeah. Apparently, I I may have skated by use uh, doing four actions in a round. Um, I climbed ten feet. I think what we did is I climbed ten feet. And we called that one action, but you can only climb five feet unless you crit. So I climbed 10 feet, got up, and then cast a two-action spell. Um, however, uh, he says, within the rule of cool, trying to keep players engaged with the game, I'd overlook that. It's not a really big deal at all. Yeah, I was um, already being pretty lax with the climbing because I didn't want to bog the game down and climbing. Totally. Mainly for the sense, for the reason that like a natural one was the only thing that was going to make you fall. Um, and I don't know, it just seemed, it seemed anticlimactic in that moment. Okay. There's too much else going on. I agree with you. Um, all right. So this is another one. I got to send this off to Kate. He says the key strike ability would not apply to her second action, which was the non-flurry of blows action. The key strike only applies on the single action used as part of key strike. He said in this case, it missed. So it didn't matter. But the key strike includes the flurry of blows because that's only one action. But she still has her third act. You know, she can use another action after that to attack again. The key strike doesn't apply on that. So I'll just make sure she. So you should always that. use key strike on flurry blows because you get it on two attacks. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, he uh, and then finishing up on episode 14, he said it was nice to see the correction on the monastic archer stance that movement doesn't end it. And so he's like that. That was great. Uh, he's like, perhaps the early FODs have caught up to the recordings. Yeah, right? we're getting there. Yeah. yeah, we're finally getting there. But uh, similar for wounded death and dying, uh, that was all kind of handled, he said, by the book. So that's great. Yeah. Um, oh, and then the only other thing, the only note he has on episode 15, which is obviously the epic, like, hope we didn't do this wrong. Nothing wrong there. And he said he really think we, everybody covered everything well during the level up. He's really excited about everybody's choices. He think cool. everybody did a great job uh, and everybody described their abilities correctly. He did say that I mentioned that I got another spell slot, but it doesn't really matter to talk about it because I have access to all spells. Uh, you know, he was just like, I think you might have, I think, you know, he says to me, I think, you know, this as a rule, but you might've glazed over it to people that are like learning the game. That doesn't mean that you can cast any spell. You still have to pick one each day to prepare mm. from that list in that slot. Uh, you know, you can't just, 
cast the spell you need at the time you need it. And, and we, do, we do know that. So uh, just to be clear, even though you have access to the whole divine spell list for clerics uh, of your level, you do have to prepare a spell each day. So thank you, Professor Eric. Let's get on to a little listener mail. Let's talk about what the Nash wants to talk about what? for once. The who? <laughs> it's time I cannot wait to end this episode because I'm out of I'm out of my routine and I forgot my water and I'm dying up here. I've been talking for I 45 minutes. I didn't have water and do like I threw this shirt on. I've got like you can tell I have nine kids. I've got like baby <laughs> spit here. <laughs> Might be dad spit. It might be uh, dad like, spit. I, I, mean, the same drool. Like, ah. I literally sat down uh, to record with you and I had a white t-shirt on underneath here and it okay. was covered in uh, AG1 juice because I drank <laughs> my AG1 this morning and uh, this isn't a plug. Uh, I'm actually using it and I spilt it like a fucking pig and it was all uh, just green juice. I'm like, God, I look like a hobo. <laughs> Um, and now and still I've got some spittle here or something. We're a mess. We're unprepared. We're, we're a mess. We're unprepared. We're, we're just ramping back up. Next week <laughs> will be so smooth and polished, man. Does that fod next week? Uh, all right. Let's take it to the Nash and, uh, and to our buddy Sean Cochran from Naples, New York. What's up, Sean? Uh, writes in, longtime listener, love the show. With Campaign 2 and the major push for higher production quality, were there any concerns about losing that friends playing around the table vibe? And now that you're a good number of episodes in, have you felt any loss of casualness, any loss of the casualness that made Giant Slayer so great? It's interesting. I've seen this comment pop up um, on on our various communities that like it. So, some people are like, it doesn't have that friends at the table vibe. And other people are like, what are you talking about? Of course it does. And I'm I'm trying to really get to the root of that critique because for me, it feels very friends at the table. I mean, we've really grown close. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted this cast to be the tour cast is because that time we spend together traveling helps sort of galvanize our, our friendships. The, the, the stories that we share, we share together and we bring that to the table. We never had that with Giant Slayer. We were just very lucky that like it was a group of, of five dudes that just got along and, and enjoyed playing games in similar ways. Um, now we're like legit friends. I think that there is because it looks so polished. I think that might uh, the visual aspects of it might sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for combat the uh, the feeling of friends at the table. But wouldn't you agree that like it it feels very loose at the table? Yes, yes, I, I would 100 percent agree. I think. <laughs> I mean, you're also talking about. All right, there's a lot of different ways to approach this, but what yeah. I will say is I agree with everything you've said so far. And, uh, you know, people forget that about Giant Slayer. We've mentioned it before, but like when we started Giant Slayer, we, we, we became friends during Giant Slayer, like not when Giant Slayer started, you know, Skid had never really played with Matthew, you know, before that time. I had never really played with Grant. You had never played with Grant. So there was um, a, a an evolution that took place over years with that show to build those friendships. Um, similarly, we've taken the same amount of time with at least Sydney, who, you know, we've been working with for almost five years now playing games with. It's crazy. Uh, similarly, uh, Kate, you know, at least three years with playing games regularly with Kate. And that's why they were brought in to, uh, you know, to, to do this with us. You know, what's funny is if you think about it, you, you know, you and I have had this conversation over and over again. The high production quality, the return to the studio, uh, all of that, everything that we did, the the handcrafted table we had built, it was all to get us back around the table. Like the whole effort that we put into that was because we felt we were losing some of the casualness when we were remote. That that was being alone in a room with a camera pointed at you and lights in your face kind of felt detached and yeah. uh it, it it was something we wanted to get back around the table and the high production quality has no impact on it the game whatsoever because no it would if we decided we wanted to make a show that was like scripted right like mm -hmm. we wanted to make a show that was like oh well we want to put on a show that has a great story that's kind of like manipulated a little bit it's inspired by the game but it's really more us kind of like putting out a story we want to put out 
then yeah, that would lose what Giant Slayer had. To me, this has this really has all of it because the way that it's set up, the cameras are hidden, the lights are so mild. There, like it's re- you don't feel like you're on a stage when you're around that table at all. This was the concept from the beginning. Is I really wanted it to feel like it was just cameras watching people play a game. Yeah. Like we're natural performers, so everything's going to be a little bit heightened for the cameras, sure. But ultimately, I wanted the the cameras to be far away so that it was just kind of like a documentary, a fly on the wall uh, viewing of people playing a game. It looks great, but really, all of that is in service to being around a table together and the energy that you have around a table. That's why we didn't record any episodes of Giant Slayer remotely during COVID. I was like, I don't want to do Giant Slayer until we can be in the room together because that changes everything. That's not to say remote shows can't be great and that you can't have great chemistry. We've proven that that's possible, but there's something different about being in a room together and being around a table. And that's Agreed. what this is and, about. And I just want to give people the perspective of like what it looks like for me sitting around that table. You don't see the cameras. There is one uh, moving camera. There is a person in the room, one person in the room that's shooting who uh, <laughs> you know, dresses in all black and is basically invisible to us during the, rec- during the taping of the show. And everybody else is kind of offset. You know what I mean? Like you don't, you don't see people in your putting cameras in your face. It just doesn't happen. And that was all to, to kind of maintain that vibe. If anything, everybody is so much more excited. We have the best gaming situation we have ever had. You know, like I know people appreciate the rawness of, of giant slayer in a lot of ways, but like, Let's not forget these mic, the mics that we're using around that table. They're the same mics we were using at Giant Slayer. Literally the exact, not the same make and model, the same microphones. Like it was just a podcast that didn't have a video component. Now it's a podcast that has a video component. And if you're going to do the video component, you want to do it right. You want to have the right lighting. Otherwise it just looks bad. And so, yeah, there's a couple extra quote unquote high production things that go into it. But it does not, in my mind, take away from the rawness of it. Nothing is scripted. Nothing is prepared because we want to make it look better on TV. You know, I mean, obviously, look what Sydney wears to set. It's ridiculous. <laughs> most, you know, most shows like ours, I think they use uh, boom mics or shotgun mics so that you don't even see the microphones on camera. Um, and we talked about doing that. But at the end of the day, and Joe was a big uh, catalyst for this. It's like, let's go back to using the mics that we use, even though it doesn't look as sexy, because then we're, we're making sure the podcast is always of the highest quality. For people that don't watch the video, the podcast will always be of the highest quality. You're not going to get that with overhead mics. It will look better, but uh, ultimately, this is kind of like a documentary of people filming a podcast. Yes. That's what it, that's what it's meant to <laughs> yeah. be. And I think there are a lot of people that maybe are discouraged that we're not doing more things with the visual. We're not like showing uh, more uh, like uh you know, d- dice rolling or more, more stuff with the map. And that's all intentional, really trying to focus on six friends playing a game together and six friends, uh, learning a game together as well. You know, I don't, we don't stop a or lot. Or not learning it. Or not learning it. You know, one of the reasons <laughs> I don't stop a lot to like, look up a rule is because I want it to really reflect what a home game is like, where it's mm-hmm. like, all right, let's look this up real quick. And we're talking and it's like, oh, I got it right here. You know, I, I want that to be a part of the show because I want it to feel authentic. We could easily cut that all out and have a heavily edited thing. And I think people are discouraged sometimes that it isn't that, but you know, th- this is only what episode 15, this, this show is going to evolve. We're going to start incorporating new techniques and always looking to innovate and do cool new things. But everything that we've done so far has been in service to creating uh, a, a situation where it's a bunch of friends sitting around a table. Yeah. Playing a and, game and, for an hour and a half. And don't forget how much Giant Slayer evolved, not just in our friendships, but also we used maps and minis for a long time and yeah. then converted to using virtual tabletops. Uh, we were in apartments, then we were in a studio. We were taping a, a podcast that we didn't know if anyone would listen to ever. And then, in not that long of a time, we knew a lot of people we didn't know were listening to it. So, you know, it, it's not really as if – now, could you say, are we losing some of the casualness that we had in the first – 10 episodes of giant of, of uh, giant slayer <laughs> sure maybe sure. because like we didn't have anything then but by the time we were six months in we knew that there was a large audience listening to this and that we were 
everything that we would do would get scrutinized. Like that hasn't changed for many, many, many years. So if you like the whole last 280 episodes of Giant Slayer, then, you know, we're kind of in that same zone. And I know that I'm having more fun and more relaxed with this group around this table in one room than I have been uh, since we went remote. And, and it's been so fun. So I'm, I'm really, really uh, happy. So Sean, thanks for asking the question. I do. I picked it because I do think it's on a lot of people's minds. Yeah. Um, and I do think, uh, again, to just project thoughts into other people's minds. I think it's very easy to a be a little uh, jaded, right? To uh, I've been, oh my god, I can never remember this word. I forgot it on fodder last time too. Uh, when you uh, when you live in New York too long uh, and you are too cynical, cynical, you can be very cynical about uh, once you know these friends are uh, doing kind of a high production thing that's put on YouTube and you know gets ten thousand views when it goes up. Oh well, they must not be their real selves, and there must be so much fake stuff happening behind the scenes, and things must not be what they appear. And I, I can appreciate that. I mean, I'm a cynic myself. Believe me, I, I don't trust that things are as nice and as easy as they seem. I can tell you for a fact that like that's just not the case. This is just a very I feel more like our old game now than than I have uh, since COVID. So it's it's great to be back in there and doing it this way. Yeah, I mean I <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago Sydney and Kate were at my house in a bounce house that we rented. <laughs> Jumping around with a couple cocktails with Joe's children. Yes, like don't don't spill that vodka soda on my child. Uh, we're, we're all friends, you know. You can you can be a business and be focused on growth and expansion, all that, without losing your soul uh, of of like wanting to wanting to make a good show around uh, you know authenticity. Those those two things need not be mutually exclusive. And it's something that we're constantly uh, aware of and trying to fight against because it would be very easy to uh, to lose that as you grow. And maybe for a time we did um, as we were expanding very rapidly. Um, but I think that this show, as it continues to grow and evolve, you're going to see, uh, you're going to see so, so much of a return to its roots while also growing into new and exciting areas. Agreed. Um, and the last thing I'll say, just to put a button on it, talking about episode 15, what we're doing, the, the high, the, again, quote unquote, high production values. I don't mean to keep putting that in quotes, but what when we look at other productions, I see way higher production values on other things. Like what we're doing is what we're able to do. It, we could do way, way more in terms of production value. Yeah. The high production value that you see from this show is – to make it look good for you because we want you to be able to see what we see and to be in there with us while we do our podcast. Over the years of Giant Slayer, it was great and we shared the story of that campaign. But the one thing we couldn't share was what it looked like when I leapt out of my chair and stormed out of a room because of a failure yeah. or when I threw a die against the wall. Like you just you could imagine it, but we couldn't share it. The ability to share what happened to Sydney in episode 15 of the show and have that be for everyone to be a part of is so meaningful. And like you said, during the, the earlier segment, so real and authentic and emotional and to capture that was great. And what I've learned in my short time here is that to capture good video and to have it be good, you have to have really good lighting and you have to have real. And if you don't, you're just not going to capture it. And so that's why there's so much that goes into this just so that it looks normal to you. Uh, and, and that's what we want to capture is, is you guys, if you want to, you can listen to the show all you want and, and never look at the video and then get a chance. If you want pop over to YouTube, just to watch Sydney's reaction. Cause you heard it first. And now you want to see what it looked <laughs> like. Uh, we love to get, we love being able to give you that option. So that's, thank you, Sean, for the question. And I hope that, uh, yeah, you continue to, uh, be a fan and enjoy the, uh, the, the, the gaming around the table, which we were always shooting for. Right. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up, dude. I think that's it. Oh man. Um, I could talk for another hour and a half, but, uh, I can... we actually do. We have to meet in like two hours and talk business yeah, for an hour. That's and true. Half, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it was great. Uh, great to just, you know, reconnect, get everybody back together. And, uh, Hell yeah. oh, shit, this is going to come in so loud. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's great getting back to the FOD. Two weeks off was nice, but now it's great to be back to connect, to talk about the apps. Big one coming up. New character. What is going to happen? Can't wait to uh, hang out with you guys next week and talk about it. Until then, watch Troy's VOD if you missed it, which you probably did. 
Watch me live tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, on uh, at the Glass Cannon. And then Friday, live, 2 p.m. Eastern, Glass Cannon Labs Deadlands. Lots going on on Twitch. Check it out. And, of course, YouTube premiere, episode 16, tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye. Keep waving. Thanks for listening to the Glass Cannon Network. For more podcasts and live streams, visit glasscannonnetwork.com. And for exclusive shows and content you can't find anywhere else, subscribe today at jointhenation.com. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.